let's worship the Lord this morning. And he just wants to affirm you this morning that you are his mighty ones, that you are faithful, that you are seen, you are known and provided for, for everything that you need at the time that you need it, that he loves to show you and and, and just lavish on you his love and his mercy. And as we worship him, we are conquering battles in the spirit this morning. So we're not just going to sing songs. We're going to do some battle this morning. We're going to let our faith rise up in us this morning. So, Father God, just stir up our faith this morning. Stir it up in us, Lord, the confidence, the faith, the devotion, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us and you have declared us worthy by the blood of Jesus, Lord. Let us take up our shields. Let us take up just the name of Jesus, Lord, this morning. Thank you for who you are and that you never change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
We are here. And the Lord has things for our lives. He has things for your life. You know, it's interesting because in order to receive something, you can't have your hands filled, right? So if I'm going to give Robin something, she can't have things in her hands in order to receive it, right? She's got to let it go. She's got to put it down. And I feel like the, the Lord is wanting us to receive from him in a new way in 2022. I really believe that everyone in this house, no one has attained the measure of perfection, right? Right. Scripture tells us that Paul the Apostle says that in Hebrews and in Philippians. And the truth is this, the Lord is wanting us to go deeper in him to be stronger in him. And uh, the word that he gave me a few weeks ago and then reminded me of it today when I was praying about where are, you, where are we going? The Lord says, keep moving forward. But with that, he said, do not remember the former things. Do not remember the former things. Do not focus on the past. Do not be entrenched in the past. Now, it's interesting because some people have negative things that they get entrenched in in the past. And some people have positive things that they get entrenched in the past. Meaning, the best is behind me. You know, you get the high school football player that can't move on after high school. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you ever met a person like that. And they're still talking about some glory days. We can actually talk about glory days, spiritual glory days. When I was really excited. You know what? That's not what the Lord wants. That's not where the Lord's at, by the way. He's in your today. Now, we can look at those things and be thankful. But the truth is this. The Lord wants us to keep moving forward. To keep growing in Him. There are things that he has for you that you have not yet experienced. There's revelation to know about Jesus and your, rela and your relationship with him that you have not yet experienced. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do you not perceive it? I think that that's one of the most important phrases in this text. Because if we're holding or focusing on the past, we lose perception for the present. And we don't have vision for the future. 
and the Lord is saying, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing among you. Now, as I was praying about it, the Lord was saying that he wants us to believe him for greater things. But in order for us to do that, some of us are blocked by disappointment. That we have experienced disappointments in our lives. Maybe it could be recent or it could be a long time ago. But those disappointments take root and create a, um, a problem for you for actually dreaming with God again. A disappointment can block us from dreaming with God. We get stuck because we, we are holding on to that disappointment. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a dream of life, or a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. Now it's interesting because the Lord, the Lord's desire, your Father God's desire was always for you to eat of the tree of life. Remember the garden was, had the tree of life, but you could not eat of it. Adam and Eve could not eat of it. Why? Why couldn't they be, why did they uh, were tossed out of Eden so that they would not eat of the tree of life? So that they would not be in a sustained state of sin. Okay. And so as a result, because they fell, the Lord said, have them leave Eden because I want you to have redemption. I want you to be restored. Now, let me just go back to Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, yes, when we are disappointment, we feel badly. We feel, but it doesn't stop there. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. In other words, your destiny is not disappointment. Even in the Proverbs, your destiny is not disappointment. You do experience disappointment, but your destiny is not disappointment. And when we get to disappointment, it could be a lot of things. Disappointment that I'm not healed yet. Disappointment that my children aren't serving the Lord. Disappointment and you can fill in the blank. The, the promise that I feel God has spoken to me has not yet come to fulfillment. You can put in a lot of things. Disappointment in ministry that things aren't growing like I want. Whatever you want to say, a disappointment can cause us to not dream again because we fear to dream. We fear another disappointment. But the Lord is saying, guess what? I want you to know that your destiny is not the disappointment. Your destiny is the tree of life. Your destiny is promises fulfilled. Come on, this is powerful. Because some of us, we don't even know we're dwelling in disappointment. We don't even know it. We don't know that we're actually defaulting to that disappointment. I'm not going to try anymore in that area of my life. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Christ lives in us. All of the promises of God, the over 7,000 promises of God, 7,700 promises of God in Scripture are all yes in Christ. They're all for you in Christ. 
and to and they are yes in Christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God in other words Jesus I have been disappointment disappointed but I am not going to dwell or pitch my tent in the land of disappointment I am going to move forward because I know and I believe your word that says all of your promises are yes in Christ. And I say, let it be so. Amen means let it be so. So yes, life brings disappointments. Life brings brokenness. Life brings a lot of tragedy, but I will not dwell there. That is not where I pitch my tent. That is not where I lay my foundation. That's not where I build my house. I keep moving forward because all of the promises are yes in Christ. The enemy is, is depending upon you pitching your tent in the land of disappointment. Secretly. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows. But there's just a little bit of life you're not living. There's a little bit of life that you lack in you. There's no excitement for your life. There's no expectation. There's no hope. Will we pitch our tent in the land of disappointment? And the Lord is saying, I'm saying on this first Sunday of 2022, the Lord is saying, dream again with me. Dream again with me. Look at that scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us. He gives us the power, you see, to say amen. Because I know dreams cannot be fulfilled in my own power. But I know that in your power, the amen that is spoken by me is through your power. And you know what the Lord loves to do? He loves to make the impossible possible. That's, that's something that the Lord loves to do. All things are possible with God. You know, we're coming on on the Thirst Conference, and the scripture that I chose and that the Holy Spirit just stirred in my heart is the story of the, of the, the father who has the son who's an older uh, son by then. He's a young adult by then. He's been throwing himself in the fire, and he comes to Jesus in, in the book of Mark, and he says, Jesus, can you do something? Can you? See, he was dwelling in the land of disappointment because he had years of being with this child, I am sure, over and again. The disappointment of this child who is growing older and older, a huge, actually, probably even an embarrassment to him at that point in that community. Him known for this son throwing himself in the fire, doing these horrible things to himself, feared by people around him. And Jesus says to him, because the first thing that Jesus deals with is this man's disappointment. Before a healing comes, the disappointment is addressed. If I can, if I can. And then the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Heal my disappointment. I give you my disappointment. Last week, we laid down. If you weren't here, last week I spoke about the prophet Elijah turning the hearts of the 
sons towards their fathers and the fathers towards their sons. We talked about laying down people who need to return to the Lord. And we laid down a lot of names on this altar. And I remind us of that because we're moving forward. And in moving forward, some of the names that we have laid down can be disappointments. Do you understand what I mean? That the disappointments. And the Lord is saying, I want to heal your disappointment so you dream with me again, even for other people. For other people's lives. For really believing God. Believing Jesus. Believing in who Jesus is. Not just what he can do, but who he is. Dreaming again with the Lord. We're going to keep moving forward. Philippians 3.12 says this. Not that I have already obtained it or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection which for Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. You know what I want us to do t this morning is to commit to moving forward. If you're stuck in some area of your life, stuck in some area of your life, your spiritual life. It could be in some of the things that the Lord has asked you to do. We're going to move forward. What change needs to be made? The fact is this, you got to own it yourself. I can't do it for you. The Holy Spirit's power is in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, just like that same power is in me. I can advocate it. I can tell you the word of God says it, but you're, you, have to, you have to exercise your faith. But I believe 2022 is going to be a powerful year. I can already feel it. But I also know with the power that God wants to manifest in our lives, the glory he wants to bring by making the impossible possible, that means that there are those challenges, those mountains that we will look at and they'll need to come down. The fact is this, smooth sailing is not on the horizon. <laughs> those who are looking for, I'm just going to go and hide out in the harbor. No, the fact is this, smooth sailing is not on your horizon. But this is the thing. We're going to move forward. See, we're going to move forward. And you know what? We're going to let go of the past. Let go of disappointments. Let go of those things that have hindered us. Let go of those things that have stirred fear in us. That's caused us to, to freeze and to, to not to try and to to go hide in the corner. The Lord says, we're going to address those things. We're going to move forward because you have the power in you to do it, whatever it may be. And the fact is this, that we all have something. The Lord's saying, it's time to move forward in it. It's time to move forward. It's time for you to believe me. 
It's time for you to put away your fear. It's a time to put away your that disappointment. And, and you know what? A lot of times that disappointment can be um, cloaked in um, fear or it can be cloaked in offense in that God didn't do what you wanted him to do in the time that you wanted him to do it in the way that you wanted him to do it. And the Lord is saying, you know what? Trust me, I can do all things. Trust me, I can do all things. You know, I want you to all stand. 2022, we're going to go come in swinging hard. We're not going to fear. We're not going to believe the report of the world which shouting at us we are going to believe the report of the Lord we're going to believe what God says about our lives we're going to put away as Hebrews says we're going to toss off those things the sin we're going to strip off every unnecessary weight that so easily and cleverly entangles us and we're going to run with endurance You know what's so funny about this song, I Surrender All? It's a, it's a hymn. It's an old hymn. But every time I face something that I don't want to do, <laughs> nobody else does that, right? You, do you ever have to face something you don't want to do? And actually, you would love to do it any other way besides the way God would want you to do it? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one in this room. Assignments that the Lord is saying, no, you're going to take that on. Every time I'm like driving in my car, talking to the Lord, and I start to sing this song, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I surrender, Lord. Some of us, we got to surrender. Some of us, the word, I surrender some things. I surrender some things. No. I surrender all. All. Oh, Lord, whatever you have for us. Come on, we're going to pray right now. Let's lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to be muscle Christians. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to have pity parties in the corner, licking our wounds. We're not going to give excuses. We're going to say, Lord, I surrender all. I believe. I believe the power that's in me, Lord, is greater than the challenge before me. Come on. I believe the power that's in me is greater than the challenge before me. Lord, we know without you, we can do nothing. We know that. But with you, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible. So, Lord, I pray over us right now, over the minds and hearts of the people, that we would surrender disappointment, that we would surrender our need to control. Lord, that we would even surrender those things in the past that have caused us to not dream like you want us to dream with you for our lives. You want to give us your dreams for our lives.
Lord, I pray over some in this room that have the mentality that the best is behind them. And Lord, you're speaking to today and saying, no, the best is not behind you. I have more for you. I have more for you. Amos 9 says this. Verse 13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest, and the one who treads the grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed for the harvest. When the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt, that is, everything that was once barren, will overflow with streams of blessing. That everything that was once barren, that everything that was once in the land of disappointment shall overflow with streams of blessing. Now this, this word is for the remnant of the faithful. The remnant of God's faithful people. Those who continue to be faithful to Him. Lord, we pray, Father, over this house, over the people here, over those who are faithful, over those who can sing this song and say, I surrender all, Lord. I don't understand certain things, but I surrender it to you. Lord, I don't understand the whys, but Lord, I'm going to believe with you. I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. I step into believing you, and Lord, I embrace the healing of the region, the area of my life that has unbelief. I receive that healing. I receive the touch upon my unbelief to shift it to belief. I will not harbor unbelief. I will not harbor it. Rather, I give it to you. I give it to you and I step into this new season. I step forward. I step forward. I move forward. I am not stuck in unbelief. I'm not stuck in disappointment. I'm not stuck in my past. But Lord, I move forward in you. Lord, I declare it on this day, January 2nd, 2022. I declare it over this house, Father, in your precious name. Amen. Say amen with me. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here on January 2nd. Wow. What a year. What a year we had, and God is good. Amen. God is good. Welcome. Those of you, if you're visiting, grab a card in the pew in front of you. We're glad to have you. We have a lot of ways to connect around here. Still continue to connect through your life groups and different groups that we have with our uh, athletic groups and all kinds of things. And we're getting those things restarted after the holidays. Holy Spirit Baptism Retreat, if you plan to come, want to come, please see Pastor David and I. It's January 20th and 21. We have a good group already that will be go, uh, participating in that. Daniel Fast starts next week. We have booklets out in the lobby. Please participate in some level of that. You know... I want to say that the goal is not necessarily dietary change, but it's surrender. It's just a physical uh, example, a symbol physically of surrender to the Lord. And we want to be purified. I, I believe January this month is going to be a month of the Lord purifying us 
to a new level in him for strength and empowerment. Um, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. That's the first thing in, in the story of Daniel that he says, and that's what he does. He says, I resol he resolved, he established. And you know what? He used, the scripture tells us a story about his, him saying that he was just going to have vegetables and water, he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the phrase is he resolved not to defile himself, and it was simply the symbol of the diet that showed forth the contrast between him and the others, him and the world around him. And I think sometimes, just hear me, don't be offended by this, but it's, it is true. We can be defiled without knowing it. We can be tainted without knowing it. So when we go through these times of fasting together, the Lord, the Holy Spirit can reveal to us areas that he's wanting to clean right? It's not just about making it through 21 days of not eating certain things. That's not really the goal. The goal is to be open to the Holy Spirit to cleanse our lives and bring us into new depths with Him. So I really want to challenge you to be a part of this and not just to make it about some form of food intake, but rather to really seek the Lord and maybe get rid of some of the stuff that have nothing to do with food in your life. Maybe. That's a good thing. Uh, crossroads, we have, I don't know what that is, but you can find the Daniel Fast Guide electronically on our website. Yes, Thirst Conference is coming up 28th, 29th. What does it say there? 28, 28. It's so tiny here. Heal my eyes, Lord. Heal my eyes. I can't even see it. 28th and 29th. And then on the 30th, we have Teen Challenge with us. Please be a part of that. At least a portion of that. Israel 2022. Yes, we're still going. June 6th through 16th. See Pastor Dave if you want to participate. Sermons online, podcasts. You know where to get them. You can get them through our e-newsletter, all the sites that we have them posted, so be, please be a part of that. Ministry partner of the week, Life, Light, and Freedom. We've told you a lot about Life, Light, and Freedom. They rescue children out of sex trafficking, and we actually are probably their sole supporter of supporting these children uh, monthly and helping them financially, and I know the Lord is pleased with that. It's time to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Ushers, please come forward. Let's bow our heads and pray. Giving financially is just simply one of the areas of obedience to the Lord that is a symbol of our devotion, and we give to Him because we've surrendered it all. Lord, take these finances, take these offerings, take these tithes, and multiply them for your kingdom in the earth. Lord, we give them to you out of obedience and worship in your name. Amen. God bless you as you give.
I like that hymn. It's uh, interesting. Uh, if you're ever driving from uh, central Pennsylvania up to Niagara Falls, you'll drive through a little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania. And that's where the uh, person who wrote that hymn lived. And there's actually a big sign in the city. And they actually have uh, a story. You can go in and look at some of his memorabilia. But he, uh, he wrote that as a, uh, a dedication of his, his surrendering of his life to the Lord and turning his life over to the Lord. And actually, he, uh, he spent the rest of his life after he was a very accomplished musician prior to his salvation. And uh, after he uh, came to faith, he traveled all over the United States and Europe teaching people how to worship in the early, uh, late, late part of the last century and early part of the 20th century and uh, did some great stuff. It ended up his life as a music pastor. Isn't that great, Rebecca? Wherever you are, she's in the back there. Uh, Yes, I heard that, yes. So, uh, a beautiful song, and it talks about how when we come to faith, how it changes us. And, uh, you know, that's really what we're about, Be people being changed, not being the same way we always were, but being changed every single day. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, people of the Spirit. We're still dealing with who we are as people of the Spirit and I want to talk to you about how we honor the Lord or our finances. Don't worry, we're not going to take another offering. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we talk about finances, people get a little bit uh, weird about it. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I love the new year because the new year gives us a, an ability to recalibrate things. You know, it's kind of a reset. Um, you know, if, if you, the older you get, I think the more you realize that life is kind of like a little bit like Groundhog Day, if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day, where it kind of keeps repeating itself over and over, and you have, you know, Michael and I are very disappointed because both of our football teams lost this weekend, you know, but, you know, it's a, this next year's a new season, you know, uh, there's a whole new opportunity, you know, we, we recalibrate. And one of the things that is interesting about uh, the beginning of the new year it's a time where people make a lot of resolutions, but they say 90% of them aren't even uh, still in our minds by the, the month of March. You know, if you have a gym membership right now, it's gonna, I'll just tell you, it's going to be really crowded for the next month, and then it's going to peter off. Uh, diets are going to be really big right now. You know, people are going to be dieting and all of this, and you're going to have seminars about all these things about your finances. And I want to talk specifically about, as a believer, how do we handle our finances, you know? Uh, I believe that the first of the year, I, I was talking to uh, someone who works for a financial planning consulting company, and I was telling them that every year in January, I talk about finances. And the reason I, I want to talk about them is because it's a good time for us to get a, a, a health checkup on where we're at financially, especially after Christmas, where we sometimes we overspend. You know, anyone overspend, don't raise your hand, you know. Uh, but it's interesting because when you have a checkup, you have a health checkup. I had a health checkup. Finally, I did my wellness check. I wasn't able to get into the doctor for a few years because of COVID. And I went in, and, and it looks like the Daniel Fast is going to be my regular diet for, the, for perpetuity. You know, I, I have to give up sugars. I have to cut back my caffeine intake. I have to cut out all the carbs, all this stuff I have to cut back. I have to cut out the red meats, you know. So those of you that gave me gifts this year for, for pastor appreciation, this will be the last year you're giving us sugar, okay? I just want to let you know that. Uh, or else they're going to be re-gifted to someone. Uh, but, you know, when you take a, an exam, sometimes you have to make some hard choices as a result of what you find out. And spiritually, God tells us that we should honor the Lord with all that we have, including our finances. And as a matter of fact, when you go through Scripture, 
Jesus, and well, not just Jesus, but Jesus talks a lot, but uh, Scripture talks 10 times more about finances, stewardship, fiscal responsibility than it does about faith, than it does about salvation, does it, all of those things put together. So when you think about it, why do we talk in church about finances? Because finances are just an indicator of where we're at spiritually. And let me tell you something about uh, I, I'm, why I'm talking about this. I'm not after your money. You hear me? The church is not after your money. We want you to walk in the blessing and the favor of the Lord. We, I, my prayer is that God will release something in each and every one of our lives that we'll be able to walk in a new understanding of how finances affect us and how we affect finances. You know, this, this church is, I love telling people the story over the last decade of what God's done here at Crossroads. Because God has turned it around from a church that was financially struggling to a church that's financially prosperous. And how did we do that? Because we came back into alignment on how we handle our finances. And as a matter of fact, this, is, this, this last year, we've probably given more in the last year uh, outside of our, our, our doors than we've done in probably the, uh, forever. It's amazing how much we've given. And I tell people what we've done, and they're like, how does a church, how big is your church? And I tell them we're about a church of about 100, 125, maybe 150 if we count cars driving by in the morning, you know? But, but that's about it. But why do we do it? Because we have sacrificially given. And I want to tell you something about, about money. Money uh, is, is, there's a spirit behind money. And if you understand that, it helps you to understand why the Lord wants you to surrender all. You know, a few years back, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and said that if you start giving 20%, you know, a tithe is 10%. So the Lord said, if you start giving 20%, I will not just bless you, but I will bless your church and I will bless the people of your church. And I'll tell you, we are seeing the Lord do this. And I, honestly, after, after a, a few times of giving, we don't even miss the extra 10%. Because the Lord is the one that holds all of our finances. We trust the Lord. Because really, when we're talking about finances, we're talking about trust. What do you put your money, your trust in? You, you know, you know it, it says on our dollar bill, I think it's kind of funny, in God we trust. But which God do we trust? The God of heaven and earth or the God of finance? And so I want to talk to you about that this morning because in the Gospel of Matthew, in his ethical teaching about what it means to be a follower of Christ, he says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is also your heart is there also. And the question is, when we talk about stewardship, when we talk about resources, when we talk about finances, as a person of faith, we are called to manage those resources. Let me tell you something. You and I will stand before the Lord, and we will give account on how we handle the resources he puts into our hands. Not just your finances, but your skills, your, your expertise, the things that you have. You will, you will stand before the Lord and give account of those. As a, as a church, as a board, the leaders of this church, we will give an account of how we disperse the finances of this, 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 uh, this church. We're not just a, 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 a 503C corporation in the state of California. We are actually stewards of resources that God has entrusted to us. And that's why it's so important for us to be good managers and good stewards of these resources. You know, it's interesting here because the question basically speaks about, in this passage of Matthew, uh, an issue of stewardship. 
And stewardship is about how we handle things, how we handle our finances, how we handle our resources, how we handle the care and concern of those things. And it basically says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So I could tell things about people, not even talking about finances, but I could tell where your treasure is. You know, if you, you notice certain times of the year when there's a home football game on a Sunday morning, you'll see either people are here at first service or they're not here at all, you know. Or if there's a sale going on, they'll, they'll, they'll make sure that they're at the sale. Or, you know, we, we make priorities in our life in a lot of different ways. And one of the things the Lord wants us to deal with is to deal with what is the treasure of our heart, you know. What really, truly is the treasure of our heart? You know, when you think about money, money really is, is, is interesting. It, it's only the value that we put to it. You know, if, if you were to buy a stock or a bond, and that stock or bond cost you a dollar, and it tanked, you wouldn't feel too bad, right? But if you had all of your savings in a, a bank, and that bank failed, and you lost all of your retirement, you lost all of your 503C, you, or your 401Ks, you lost all of your retirement funding, that's a big deal, right? Because it's the greater amount of wealth. And one of the things that, that Scripture talks about over and over is how we handle our resources, how we handle our, our, our savings, how we handle our finances. And I, I think it's interesting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where he says, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. You see, Jesus connects money and heart issues. You know, Jesus connects those things. And what he does, he says, uh, I'm, uh, he, I'm trying to help you to understand that there is a direct correlation with how you handle finances and where your heart is. Because it's a, not an issue about money, folks. It's an issue about trusting the Lord. It's an issue about trusting him that he is your provider. Yes. Jehovah Jireh is one of his names. The Lord who provides. And it's not just some fancy title we stick on a, a banner someplace. It's actually who he is. And let me say, tell you something. God does not need your money. You know that? The, if you read the book of Revelation, if you read the Old Testament, gold and silver and large pearls were building aggregates in heaven. You're going to walk on streets of gold. Now, some of us will be up there like hoping we have really hard souls scraping it off, trying to, you know, but at that point, it's not going to matter, right? Because it's not about the possessions. It's about the position that you are with the Lord. And one of the things that God wants to do is God is, in, is interested in watching us and how we live our life to see if we manage our life according to his teaching. That's the whole principle of, of Matthew chapter 5 and 6. He's actually giving the ethical teachings of how we serve him. And it's interesting, even in the day of Jesus, when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, and if you go to Israel with us, we'll go there, and we'll sit at the Mount of Beatitudes, and you can read them all. It's a beautiful view as he's looking over the Sea of Galilee. At that point in time, some of Jesus' followers said, uh, I don't think this is for me. And they walked away. And the crowds became less. Because Jesus set a standard for those of us that follow him. I surrender some of it all. Yeah. Sometimes, maybe, perhaps. Versus, Lord, I surrender it all. So what is it God's looking for? God is interested in not in your silver and your gold. God is interested in your heart and your alignment with your heart with him. One of the things that I love about having a center aisle of a church like this is that it, I always talk about recalibration. 
You know, if you're off center, you know, if you're leaning a little bit, it affects your, 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 your physical body. If your car is pulling to one direction, it affects your steering. And one of the things that we want to do is I want to really challenge us as believers to make sure we have spiritually aligned priorities with the Lord. And that's why I want to talk about finances. So when you look at it, there's actually an interesting thing in Scripture. Uh, There are four mentions that Jesus makes about money specifically. And he makes them in two different passages of Scripture. He makes them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you read a different translation, I read the NIV mostly, uh, but if you read a different translation of the Bible, perhaps the, the King James or the Amplified or the American Standard or, or even I think Young's, Young's literal translation, they say you can't serve God in mammon, M-A-M-O-N, mammon. And it's interesting because the word that Jesus uses is, is literally the word for money there is a translation of a word that is, is almost non-translatable. Okay, he uses the word mammon, and it, it talks about money or finances or resources, and, he, and it's interesting because it's actually a Semitic word that talks about what a person treasures and values most in life. So when he's talking about this, he's saying you cannot both serve God and serve something else that you value more than God. Really, it's, it's a principle about what is an idol. An idol is not just a statue or a carved out stone. An idol can be anything that you put with higher priority than the Lord. The second place he says this is in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter uh, 16, verse 9 through 13, he actually uses the term three different times. And I've underlined it in the, in the PowerPoints so you can see where it is. Because it's translated different ways by the, the interpreters of the NIV and the other translations. But look what it says. I tell you, you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will, welcome, uh, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? I love that passage. Because it clarifies what really is true riches. Worldly wealth isn't. We standardize it as, as importance, right? We have the, what is the, the cost, uh, cost-benefit ratio of what we do in business? How do we bid a bid? Do we have to, we have to bid so much above the, the, the price so that we can actually make profit so that either our company or our shareholders will win? Uh, we want to make sure that we get the best deal on things. We evaluate it that way, but God doesn't. And look what he says. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And both in this place, he talks about wealth twice, and he talks about money, all three of those, using the word mammon. In the original language. And it's a, a not like I said, it's a non-translatable word that refers to wealth. It refers to, to uh, uh, the uh, uh, trust that you have in this thing. And it's interesting because when you read through this, Jesus puts it as antagonists to faith. He says, if you put your trust in this, you can't put your trust in God. Your heart can only be devoted to one thing. 
You know, it's not like the old song, you're not a two-time lover, you know. You can't love one and love another. You have to love one. And Lord is looking at where is your heart in the issue. Where, what do you value as importance for the, for the things of your life? Do you put all your trust in money? And I'm not trying to say that money's not important. If we didn't have money, we couldn't have the heat on right now. We couldn't have the light on right now. You wouldn't be sitting in nice pews. But that is not where we put our trust. We put our trust in the Lord. And we ask the Lord, you know, in a, in a practical sense, this church, it doesn't make sense for when we were in such great need that we started sending money to other people who were in a greater need than, than, than us to have blessing. But what happened when we did that? Because of our obedience, God said, I see your heart, and I see that you're not stingy, and I see the fact that you bought a sound system for a college overseas so that they can hear the worship music. I'll provide a good one for you. And not only a good one, probably one of the best ones on the market for you. Okay? And God said, I, I see you sowing into the nations. I'm going to take care of you. Why? Because you're good stewards of what you have. And I'll tell you, God sees the heart when we act that way. And so when I, I asked, I looked at this and I was looking at this message, I asked myself this, what is the spirit behind money? You know, there, there are spirits behind things that we have. And the, there is a spirit behind money. And the Bible clearly talks about how we live in an, an actual world. We live in a physical world. You and I do, right? If you don't believe me, reach over and pinch the person next to you and, and see if they flinch, right? We live in a physical world. But we are first and foremost spiritual people. Right. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And being made in his image and likeness, we take on a spiritual persona that should identify with our creator. So that's why it's really interesting because as you read through Scripture, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is what influences or controls us as spiritual people? Is it the world around us or is it the Father in heaven? Okay? Look what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. So, so 1 John chapter 2, 16 is telling us there's a differentiation between things of God and things of this world. And it's important because as believers, the Apostle Paul taught the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities. So when we're dealing with this, we're not after people. We're after what is the spirit behind things. And one of the problems that we face is a lot of times when we talk about finances, we talk about money. We talk about people and how they use their finances. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this this morning as we were driving in, and I told my wife, I said, I always think it's interesting how people with exorbitant wealth treat other people so harshly and poorly. Really, there's no difference between the two. One may have a, a larger bank account, but they're both the same person. You know, they're, they're people. We're people. And, and when we're talking about this, why does, the, why does Scripture talk about spirits behind things? Because it talks about what is the motivation and the control behind us. How does it affect us? You know, and, and, and I've seen deplorable things that people have done for money. I have seen people sell their own children for money. And not for a lot of money, for like $100 selling their children. Or, 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 or doing things to family members. Or, or, or living a lie so they could, they could take from others, you know. 
And one of the things that is interesting, when you actually look at the, the spirit behind money, the word mammon is, is an interesting thing because if you do some research on it, it's, it really, it's, it's a synonym for the word greed. Mammon is a cinnamon in the Old Testament and, and, and even in times before the Old Testament of what greed was. And if you go back and you look at it, it talks about riches, but there's, there's, a, there's a negative connotation associated with it. Do you know the story of Babel? The story of the Tower of Babel? What was the story of the Tower of Babel? That people wanted to, become, to get to heaven on their own without trusting the Lord. So they built a tower so that they could get up into heaven. And literally what it talks about is it was talking about pride and arrogance and, and rejecting the values of what God had, putting it into the hands of people that we could do things. And when you look back, the, the term mammon is associated with a Babylonian culture. It was associated with a culture of, of, of basically being involved in things that we don't need God, we could do it on our own. Which gets back to the issue of the heart. I find it somewhat interesting that some of the current uh, uh, role-playing games, uh, and I don't endorse these at all. As a matter of fact, I really despise the whole concept of Dungeons & Dragons. But Dungeons & Dragons actually has a, a person persona in there uh, called Mammon. And he is the personification of hell in evil. Interesting. There's also a Japanese game, and, and I've never, I've heard of it, but I've never played it, or I don't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to be involved with it. It's called Digimon Story, Sunburst and Moonlight, where uh, there's an avatar named uh, Mammon, who is personification of greed. Interesting, isn't it? That for centuries, this name has been around, and it's always been associated with, with a personification of greed or a personification of something that is evil. And when you go through it and you look at it, it's, in many different cultures, they have different gods that they serve. The Greek world, world had the god uh, uh, Plutos, not Pluto the planet, but Plutos, who was a god of, of, of uh, bestowing wealth upon people, but the other gods were upset with him, so they gouged his eyes out so he couldn't see people to give them wealth. Interesting. You see, the God of this world wants to blind our eyes to the power that finances have. That it's just a tool that God wants to use in our hands to bless. And I'll tell you, that's why Scripture said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, because when you learn that principle behind finances, that money in itself, there is a spirit behind it. People try to control you. I've had people in, in churches try to tell me how to lead a church and run a church, and if I would do it their way, they'd drop big offerings in the, in the, in the, in the offering. And you know what I've told them? There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Because we will not be controlled by someone using their finances to tell us what God wants. You know, it was interesting. I had a conversation with someone who tried to school me in the foyer here about the concept of tithing, that tithing isn't biblical. Tithing isn't New Testament. I'm saying, oh, you're, you're right. The New Testament is not about a tithe. It's about everything that belongs to the Lord. Yeah. You know, 100%. 100%. And he didn't like that, and he's never come back. And I said, may you find another church you try to control, because you're not going to control this church with your finances. The Spirit of God is going to control this church, and we're going to be obedient to the Spirit of God and how He tells us to do our, our stewardship, you know? And so when I was thinking about this, I was going through this whole thing and looking at this whole concept of mammon, and really the concept behind it is a really negative connotation about greed and materialism. And there, I tell you, if you know a person that's materialistic, what is it about? 
It's about more, more, more. They can never get enough. They always want to have more. And if you read through Scripture, it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians, which was a very uh, affluential church, it was a very, uh, very much like San Francisco and, and Las Vegas put together. It was that kind of culture. You know, there's a, a lot of wealth, a lot of entertainment, a lot of paganism, a lot of things that were there. But look what Paul said to the church in Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians 10.20. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You see, there is a spiritual component behind finances that if you allow it to control you, it, it is like, it is, there, it's like this ferocious appetite that is never satisfied. It, there's something about it. People that, that all they want to do is live for money, they will do anything to anyone at any time without any worry or any concern because all they're interested in is money. It's about greed. It's about more. It's about more. It's about more. And what is greed? Greed is basically an inordinate desire to get more. Yeah. You know? I just have more and more and more. I just have to have more things. I have to, I'm never satisfied. You see, there's something about people that are obsessed with money that don't say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Yes. You know? I'll tell you, if the Lord told me to give 30%, I'd give 30%. If the Lord told me to give 40%, that's my prayer, that God would just bless us enough to trust him to say, Lord, I don't know how you do this, but I know this, you do it. And you are faithful to those who are faithful to you. You will be faithful to them. And you demonstrate your faith by saying, Lord, I'm not going to trust in the things of this world. I'm going to have a value system that is out of this world. I have a value system that is based upon the kingdom of God and his priorities. So when the Lord speaks to us and he says, I want you to do this. I want you to give this. You know, you're free because you realize, Lord, I'm just a, I tell people all the time, I am just a rain gutter of blessing from the Lord. Yeah. That all I do is I just let the Lord flow through me. And when the Lord tells me to do it, if he tells you to do it and you're faithful to that, he'll say, I realize you're not selfish. I'll give you more to do it with. Yeah. You know? So what is a key verse in looking at finances? I believe Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 is one of the key verses in how we deal with our finances. Let's, let's read it again. You cannot serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is teaching us that God is spirit, and money alongside of that has a spirit, and we are made in the image and likeness of God. And as such, we are called to be people who are intimate with the Lord. We're called to be people that have an intimacy. And I tell you, when you're worried always about finances, it is preoccupying, isn't it? It takes all of your thoughts. It takes all of your worries. It takes you to a place where you're saying, you know what, God, I, 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 Lord, I know you're in control of the universe, but I've got to take care of this. You, go, you take care of that, Lord. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to do what I think is best. Rather than the Lord saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to live this? How do you desire me to live? And, and it's amazing because uh, in, in Scripture... Paul, I love the Apostle Paul. I really relate with his understanding of who Jesus was. But he said that there, there is a, a principle in Scripture that certain things can control us if we allow them to. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, he says, listen to this. This is Paul speaking to the early church. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature. What is that? 
He says basically it's, it's sexual immorality. Why? Because sexual immorality is a violation of the temple that God has given you in the covenantal relationship that God has given us in the, the confines of marriage. That if you are involved in any type of sexuality that's outside of the confines of marriage, it's a violation of God's principles, right? He also said lust. What is lust? The, the Greek word for lust is epithumi, and it literally means it eats through you. Epithumi, it eats through me is lust. So anything that you desire that consumes you, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. It doesn't necessarily have any sexual connotation to it, but it has a desire. I want more, 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 more. And then he goes on, he says, not only that, he says, but any evil desires and greed. And then he classifies these, these actions and these attitudes as idolatry. Hmm. Interesting. Idolatry in Scripture is compared and equal as, as far as the condemnation of God is witchcraft. So what God is saying is if you're a greedy person, you have made idolatry, you have made whatever you're greedy for as an idol in your life, and that you have to rid yourself from. You have to put it to death. You have to crucify that in your life because you cannot serve both God and this thing. And coveting is basically what he's talking about. He's saying, you, you want the things you don't have, and you'll do anything to, to get those things. And he's saying, I've got to recalibrate you. I've got to bring you back into alignment because you were created in the image and likeness of God. And so what is, what is, the, the, what is the longing of your heart? You have to ask yourself that. And I believe one of the first things you can do is, is say, God, what is the longing of my heart? Money? I mean, we needed to get through life, but if you lived out in the, the back country of Alaska and you fished and foraged and you made a shelter, money isn't very important to you, is it? Why? Because money is what we place value on. And we live in a culture, we live in a society that would basically, when we think about it, what really is money? It's just a tool, a commodity to help us get something. So if you look like over the last decade, I was wondering, I just, I, I, I was wondering the other, other day, what is the inflation rate? So they, they say the average inflation rate is between 2 and 4% annually for the last whatever number of years. So I found this chart, which is interesting. If you look at the number of uh, years, 2015, the inflation rate was 0.7%. This year, 2021, this last year, 6.8% inflation. So the money that you had is worth less this year than it was a few years ago. Which tells us we shouldn't put our trust in money. Right. It tells us we should put our trust in the Lord. Right. Cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he's the eternal bankroll of heaven. No, because he cares for you. That he is the one, God is the one that gives you the ability to, to create finances. God is the one that gives you the ability to, to be blessed. And I, I find it very interesting that there is a, a thing we talk about in, in, in our culture, how we live in a culture that if I give you something, you go to Costco, right? You're going to Costco this week to buy your Daniel food, right? And you go in and there's someone there at the little kiosk. And if they give you a small little chunk of food in a little paper cup, there is what they call the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity is this. I give you something, you give me something back in return. There's, a, there's an obligation we feel, you know. And it's interesting how our culture tells us, if we give you money, you will sell your soul to me. Hmm. Talk to people. 
that work in companies that demand 70, 80 hour work weeks. Talk to people that they'll do anything for money. It's because that money is giving them something, so they'll give something. And I want to ask you, are you giving your allegiance to finances? Are you giving your allegiance to that thing? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making money. Get, don't, don't get me wrong on this. But where is your heart in the issue? Where is your heart? What is God calling you as a person to do? And how is he calling you to get back into right alignment with him? Because the, the kingdom of God runs by different principles than this world. I hate to tell you that. The world will tell you, do whatever it takes. And God's saying, Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Acknowledge me in all your ways and I will make your pathway straight. You know, it's interesting because Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we talked about that as being the key verse. But if you drop down just a, a few more verses in that same chapter, if you look at verse 33, listen to what he says. But he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, uh, or seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what he, Jesus is basically saying is that if you're going to go after something, seek first my kingdom, and then all of these other things are going to do what? They're going to come back into right alignment. You know? Have you ever had, anyone ever had to go to a chiropractor where your, your back's been tweaked? Or, you know, you have to go to somewhere where they have to, they have to realign. And it's interesting how a, a, a DC doctor of chiropractic could rub his, rub his or her uh, thumbs up your spine and say, oh, this is out of alignment, this is out of alignment, this is out of alignment. And a lot of times what they'll have to do is they'll have to, to get down and put some pressure on to get that, 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 that bone or whatever, that, whatever tendon or muscle that's out of alignment to pop it back into place. And there's a momentary pain in doing that, but the, the re result is, ah. Oh. I can move freely now. Let me tell you, God wants you and I to be in spiritual alignment with him. He wants us to be in alignment with him because his favor flows to us when we're in alignment. There is a, a relationship that he has with us that changes. I mean, let, let's be really honest with one another. When you're not doing what the Lord tells you to do, you know it. I don't have to tell you. No one else has to tell you. You either, you either acknowledge that there's something wrong or you do something else. You harden your heart to the point where you don't really care anymore. And then a hardened heart gets calloused in not just your heart, but in all of who you are as a person. And that's why it's really important for us to be in alignment. That's why it's important for us to seek first his kingdom and allow all of the things that he has for us to come into alignment so we can walk in the blessing and walk in the favor that God has for us. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times we forget that it's the Lord that gives you and I the ability to create wealth. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says. But remember, this means we will forget unless we're reminded. But look what it says. But remember, the Lord, and it's capitalized in the NIV and other translations, which literally means the Lord God Almighty. There is no other God like him. He is the one and he's not only the Lord God Almighty, he's your God. And it is uh, uh, he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Well, you don't know. I'm a really hard-working person. No, the Lord's given you the stamina yeah. to do it. Well, I've got a great degree. Well, the Lord give, gave you the mind to do that. The Lord has given you the opportunity to, be, to allow your path to cross with the right person. The Lord is the one that's given you the ability. And he's given you the ability for what? And he confirms it so that he confirms his covenant with you. What is his covenant with you? I will prosper you. I will give you a future and I will give you a hope. 
I will be your God and you will be my people. And you will, you will have a, a land that is yours and you will, you will be established and nothing's going to shake you. God wants us to be in covenantal relationship with him. And we do that when we acknowledge him in all areas and we say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to bring all these things together, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. So how do we honor God with our finances? This is real simple, but yet so many people struggle with it. And I, I don't understand, you know, sometimes I think it's almost experiential. You have to experience God in this component or else you'll never do it. And the first way we do it is by being living sacrifices, but also by paying your tithes. There is something spiritual about honoring the Lord with your wealth. It's basically saying, God, I trust you with all that you've given me. You know, when, when our children were little and they would, get in, uh, they would go out and, and they would do some yard work and we would always give them money, including their tithe. And we'd always tell them, tithe on that, make sure you tithe on that. Not being legalistic, but just teaching them the principle of acknowledging the Lord with their first fruits. What are, in, in scripture, what is the concept of first fruit? It's not like, you know, like I love persimmons, right? Soraya, you gave me a whole bunch of persimmons, and I dried them, and, and I love persimmons. You know, I, like, I used to like persimmon cookies, past tense. Uh, I do like dried persimmons. I, I like cut up persimmons like eat like an apple, you know. But when, when you have the first fruit, it's, it's not the ones that are like all picked off by the birds and have holes in them, right? The first fruits are like, wow, look how nice this is. This is like the best. And when you offer that to the Lord, what you're saying is, Lord, I offer you with the best because I know you're going to take care of me. Sometimes, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know this. God is faithful. And he will reward those who trust him. So when I talk about tithing, I talk about tithing is basically giving the Lord the best and the first of everything you have. And, and trusting him and trusting him and honoring him with what he's given you. Second thing you need to do, and this is really important as we, we start a new fiscal year. You need to avoid debt and getting into debt as best as you can. Now, I understand we live in one of the most expensive areas in the United States to live. But there is a, a, there's a, a biblical principle here of staying out of debt. You know, when we first came to this church, I forget, it was $325,000, $345,000 we were in debt. Praise God, in 2021, we went from that to zero debt. You know, and my goal as your pastor was, was to have the debt paid off within 20 years. But guess what? God paid it off in nine years. Why? Because we were faithful stewards of what he's given us. And let me tell you, we have not... We have not missed, I don't know about you, but I've not missed a $2,200 mortgage for this building. Anyone else miss that? How many would you like to wipe $2,200 a month out of your mortgage? You know, that's a good thing. And, and there's a principle because in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. A slave is about bondage. A slave is about being incarcerated and labored with debt. And what we want to do is, is, is to say, Lord, help us. And this is my prayer. When my wife and I pray for you, we pray that God would release your finances in such a way that you would get out of debt. Now, if, if you are spending, 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 and not monitoring that, you're going to get deeper into debt, you know? Like the old song, dig a little deeper in the well, boys. Dig a little deeper in the well. You know, you can't keep digging and spending and getting out of debt. 
And this is a discipline. This is a spiritual discipline that you and I need to learn. Is, is, and, you know, man, I, I, I went from three espressos a day with, with, with three pumps of, of vanilla in it to one coffee a day with nothing in it. That was not fun. You know, that was not fun. When you, you, you start to make spiritual decisions to see how it's going to affect your physical health, the same thing happens when you talk about financial things. A lot of times it's like, it's, it's fun to spend. It's, you know, it's great spending until you get the bill. And then you realize, oh me, oh my, what happened? And so the principle here is if you honor God and you ask the Lord to help you with your finances, he may say you, you have to use a terrible term, self-control. None of us like self-control, do we? But the only way to reduce your debt is to say, well, I'm just going to ignore it and it's going to go away. No, you have to address it. How did we address the debt at this church? We said, you know what? We're going to cut spending in any way we can and we're going to put money aside and we're going to be good stewards of what we have and we're going to pay extra and when any extra money comes in, we're going to pay down what? Our debt load so that we're not encumbered, so we're not a slave to the lender. And it's the same thing on a personal level. You have to make those decisions. And the third thing you need to do, and this is really, this is so counter, counter-cultural, counter-intuitive. It doesn't make sense, but it works. You need to learn to give. There's something about giving that releases the favor of God in your life. I tell you, there's been times where we were pastoring, where we pastored a really small church in Southern California, and we, we could hardly have anything. It was very, we were very hand to mouth. And I remember going and the Lord saying, give. And the good thing, I, I'm, I'm married to someone that's a very generous person. She has a gift of generosity, the gift of giving. I, I had to learn that, but I learned this principle in giving. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together. So when you're pouring something in a jar and it's got a lot of air, what do you do? You shake it and tap it and what happens? More fits in. And the Lord has this ability that when you trust Him and you say, Lord, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to give. And I, don't, I know it doesn't make sense, Lord, but I know I'm going to give. I'm going to give and I'm going to trust you because this is you speaking to me. You see, Paul told the church in Colossae this, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, getting back to the heart issue. Remember, giving is not about money, folks. It's about a heart issue. And it's saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you in a way that I acknowledge you in everything I do. As working to the Lord, not as human masters. Well, it's interesting because Proverbs tells us that those that are in debt are slaves. But Colossians tells us those that truly trust the Lord and give to Him become masters or rulers over their finances. You know, when you come in, was everyone given communion elements this morning? Do you all get, anyone need communion elements? Danny, can you grab some? Uh, if you raise your hand, we'll give you some elements. You know, when you talk about finances, it's, it's interesting because people sometimes clam up. Let me tell you. I, I, I'm not here to embarrass anyone. I'm not here to shame anyone. I want you to walk in the blessing and favor of the Lord. Our prayer for you in this church is that God would multiply your resources in such a way that you would, you would become homeowners, 
Your businesses would prosper. Your family will prosper. You'll have wealth to give to the nations so that it'll be a symbol of your, your, the covenant relationship you have with God. Our prayer is that God raises up millionaires in this church, not just so there's millionaires, but so that the kingdom of God can be advanced exponentially. And if you're struggling financially, let, let me just say this to you. Ask for some help. Ask the Lord, ask the Lord to bring people in your, your pathway. There are people out here that want to help you. This is a principle that we've learned over 30-some years of pastoring and studying and reading hundreds of books on finances and, and talking to people that have overcome it in their own life and, and learning the principles. But there's a principle behind it, and the principle is this. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Lay, lay out your finances in front of Him. Do the beginning of the year. This is a fresh start you have. Lay it out before the Lord and say, Lord, teach me to obey your ways. You know, communion, it's interesting that we're speaking on this on the first Sunday of the, of the year because the first Sunday of every month we celebrate communion. And what is communion? Communion is basically saying, Lord, I'm making a new agreement to be your person, to be in agreement with you and your teachings. Well, that includes our finances. So I want to challenge us this morning as you have your elements, just ask the Lord this, Lord, is there anything in how I handle my finances that are displeasing to you? You're not going to write it down. You're not going to turn it in. You're not going to tell me. This is between you and the Lord. Right now, Lord, I pray for each and every person hearing my voice that you just speak to us about how we manage and steward the resources you've put into our hands. Are we good stewards of those resources? Are we managing them in a way that honors you? Lord, if we're out of alignment with that, I pray that you would speak very clearly to us about it so that we can realistically address it so that we can be good stewards and managers of our finances. I pray as a church, not just as individual members of a community, but as a larger community that, Lord, we would be good stewards of the resources you give us. I pray that, Father, you would bless each and every one of us, Lord, to manage the finances that we have in a way that honors you and glorifies you. And, Lord, also may it be a, a testimony to those around us that say, how do you do what you do? Because you don't get that much, but you seem to always have. And we could say it's because our God is faithful. So right now, Lord, I just ask that we would do what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, that we would examine ourselves before we take communion. Because it's not just about our, our quote-unquote spiritual life, but our practical life. Are there things in our life that are out of alignment with you? So Lord, right now, I pray that you would forgive those of us that need forgiveness. I pray that you would teach us your ways, O oh Lord. That we would do, as Paul said to the church in Colossae, whatever we do, we will do it with all of our heart. And that includes our handling our resources, handling what you've, you've entrusted us, handling our spending, handling our savings. Lord, we would trust you with those so that we would not be poor, that we would not be a slave to anyone. But Lord, we would honor you with our wealth because we realize, like Deuteronomy said, that you, O oh Lord, are the one who gives us the ability to produce wealth, to confirm your covenant with us, that you swore to your ancestors both then and today. 
So Lord, I pray for each and every person here that Lord, as we take this bread, which was a symbol of your body, which was broken for us, that we would honor you with our finances, Lord. And we ask that in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, shall we partake of the communion element. You know, the cup, I love the cup because the cup represents the, the ability that Jesus had to shed his blood to make a new way for us. And the blood is something that cleanses us and purifies us and sets us free. So, Lord, right now I ask that as we've made this sacrifice of acknowledging our need for you, that, Lord, you would teach us to walk in your ways. I pray that, Father, we would follow your teaching and not just some areas of our life, but in the words of the, the old hymn, that we would surrender all to you. And I pray that, Lord, as we drink this cup, which represents the new covenant, that, Lord, we would look at our finances in a different way in 2022 than we did in 2021. I pray you would help us to acknowledge you in all areas of our life, that would acknowledge you in all the things that we do and how we handle our finances. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just lead, guide, and direct us. And Lord, if there's things that we need to change, I pray that you would not just give us a conviction to do that, but Lord, you would also give us a plan, that you would also help us, Lord, to be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us. So, Lord, right now we just lift this cup to you and we ask and pray that you would help us to be the best stewards that we can be, Father. In Christ's name, shall we partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stand with us as we're going to sing that dedication of our lives to the Lord by singing that hymn, I Surrender All. communion is also about us kind of cleansing our hearts and as we were praying in communion in relationship to this subject pastor david talked about i just really feel like some of us need to forgive people that maybe 
they've wasted some of your money and you felt like, do you understand what I mean? Like maybe misused funds and stuff and and I feel like, or, or that they're maybe not committed and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a husband and wife relationship or a family situation where I feel like, you know, you're in your head, you're saying, well, Pastor David, I, we, I want to do that, but I'm not in control of some of the circumstances of the finances in my home. I, I think I'm touching some nerves. I don't know why. I just feel like it. And the Lord is saying... I want you to, let's start with forgiving those people. Release that. Give that forgiveness to them. Forgiveness over them. And there's a new beginning the Lord has for you in regards to finances. And the Lord, what you can, what you are responsible for, and what the Lord has given to you to be responsible for, maybe you're not the person that's responsible for everything in your home but what he's given you to be responsible for the lord is saying i'll hold you accountable for that not for everything okay i just feel like some people need to hear that for some reason the lord's like you know what i under i know what you're responsible for and i want you to honor me in those things and then that's going to start moving you forward Lord, we release, I just want those of you, there's some that need to have to release those people, release the situation. Maybe there's been some wastefulness. Maybe there's been some overspending, whatever. Just fill in the blank. And it's making you feel really frustrated or in yourself. And the Lord said, release those people, release them, release them, forgive them. And the Lord's also saying, you know, I, and I've felt this way for a couple years now, that over this house, I really believe because the Lord is making us a giving, a flow of giving, a generous house to the nations, to the needs around us, locally, globally. I really believe that the Lord wants to bless businesses, bless careers, bless your hands. Those of you that own businesses, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless and flourish you, but he wants those things never to be an idol or before him. I really believe that the Lord has given in my heart as your pastor that he wants to make millionaires of people per capita. I really believe this per capita, the most millionaires, this church would have more millionaires per capita than any other church in the U.S. I really feel that way. But that's why the Lord is addressing our hearts. Because if we are not faithful in the little, we will not be faithful in the much. And so the Lord says, do not pray for God to give you wealth or riches, but pray that you would have a giving heart, that you would have a sacrificial giving heart. Because when you pray for that, the Lord is going to bless you so you can have a sacrificial giving heart. Lord, we want to glorify you. We do not want to be 
in any way focused on material things as our goal. We want to glorify you in the earth. We want to see your kingdom come to people and to, in your love to come to people. We want to do what you called us to do, to care for the widows and the orphans. We want to see churches planted and people know you as their personal Savior. Lord, we want people to know your love and your goodness. And so, Lord, I pray over these families and the businesses and the people of this church, Lord, that you would bless us, Lord, but that first and foremost, our heart and minds would be fixed on you, on you, no matter what, no matter what storm, no matter what challenge, Lord, that we would be faithful, Lord, to you, that we would have a heart's devotion to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we know, Father, that you love to bless and favor your children for your glory, not for our glory, for your glory. And we thank you, Lord, for the power, the Holy Spirit's presence that you have given to us, that dwells in us so that we can go out, Lord, and be fruitful for you in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your holiday today and see you next week.